Haribol, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for Vaishnavi Tea this week. Um, unfortunately, due to the passing of one of our gurus, teachers, amazing spiritual teacher through our communities, passed away um, by COVID. So unfortunately, we just basically needed to honor that space of not recording anything um, and respect that time. So what I did was I put together an amazing podcast for today and for whenever you decide to listen to. And I put together some ladies that I love completely um, that inspire me to continue to do what I am doing. So we're going to start off with a poem by Maya Angelou. I really hope that you guys enjoy it. I believe this is when she spoke for the Clintons, but it's just so powerful and it makes sense even now of what's going on um, in this day and age. So please enjoy that. And then afterwards, her name is Krishna Nandini uh, Dossi. So she's an amazing woman who is just going to give it to you straight. And she's given this class exactly the way that I would teach it if I was teaching it. I love her so much. She's great. So I hope you enjoy listening to her give us some here about Dropity. This is all from the Vedas for those who don't know too much about um, our yoga lineage, um, spiritual stories that are inspiring and they pretty much go with modern times. So a lot of it's very ancient, but the way she breaks it down, it's like, hello, you're, you're going to learn something today. So I think I, you guys are in for a really, really great treat. I hope that you listen all the way through, even if you are new. Um, for those who, you know, know what's going on and know about Dropity, you guys are going to enjoy this class. I mean, and then you'll probably be listening to Krishna Nandini Dasi all the time because she is just, she's very electrifying. So enjoy, grab some popcorn, do what you do and enjoy the rest of your day. Goodbye. gentlemen, Maya Angelou. <laughs> President Clinton, all presidents, all excellencies, all friends, I wrote this piece for every human being on earth. We, this people, on a small and lonely planet, traveling through casual space, past aloof stars, across the way of indifferent suns, to a destination where all signs tell us it is possible and imperative that we discover a brave and startling truth. And when we come to it, to the day of peacemaking, when we release our fingers from fists of hostility and allow the pure air to cool our palms, when we come to it, when the curtain falls on the minstrel show of hate and faces sooted with scorn are scrubbed clean, when battlefields and coliseum no longer rake our unique and particular sons and daughters 
up with the bruised and bloody grass to lie in identical plots in foreign lands. When the rapacious storming of the churches, the screaming racket in the temples have ceased. When the pennants are waving gaily, when the banners of the world tremble stoutly in the good, clean breeze, when we come to it, when we let the rifles fall from our shoulders and children dress their dolls in flags of truce, when landmines of death have been removed and the aged may walk into evenings of peace, when the religious ritual is not perfumed by the incense of burning flesh and childhood dreams are not kicked awake by nightmares of abuse. When we come to it, then we will confess that not the pyramids with their stones set in mysterious perfection, not the garden of Babylon hanging as eternal beauty in our collective memory, not the Grand Canyon kindled into delicious color by Western sunset, nor the Danube flowing its blue soul into Europe, not the sacred peak of Mount Fuji stretching to the rising sun, neither Father Amazon nor Mother Mississippi, who without favor nurture all creatures in the depths and on the shores. These are not the only wonders of the world. When we come to it, we, this people, on this minuscule and kithless globe, who reach daily for the bomb, the blade, the dagger, yet who petition in the dark for tokens of peace. We, this people, on this moat of matter, in whose mouths abide cankerous words which challenge our existence, yet out of those same mouths can come songs of such exquisite sweetness that the heart falters in its labor and the body is quieted into all. We, this people, on this small and drifting planet whose hands can strike with such abandon that in a twinkling life is sapped from the living, yet those same hands can touch with such healing, irresistible tenderness that the haughty neck is happy to bow and the proud back is glad to bend. Out of such chaos, of such contradiction, we learn that we are neither devils nor divines. When we come to it, we, this people, on this wayward floating body, created on this earth, of this earth, have the power to fashion for this earth a climate where every man and every woman can live freely without sanctimonious piety and without crippling fear. When we come to it, we must confess that we are the possible. We are the miraculous, the true wonder of this world. That is when and only when we come to it. We're going to just read a little from the 10th uh, chapter of Bhagavad Gita as it is, the Song of God.
uh, chapter 10, 30, 34. Krishna says, Mridya sarva haras chaham udbhavascha bhavishyatam. Kirti Sri Vapcha Narinam Smriti made Hajatihi Shama. I am all devouring death, and I am the generating principle of all that is yet to be. Among women, I am fame, fortune, fine speech, memory, intelligence, steadfastness, and patience. And I'm going to read a little from the purport. Uh, by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta, Sri Swami Prabhupada. So the seven opulences listed, fame, fortune, fine speech, memory, intelligence, steadfastness, and patience are considered feminine. If a person possesses all of them or some of them, he or she becomes glorious. So... I wanted to read those uh, qualities because the personality Draupadi Devi, the divine Draupadi, had all of those qualities. She was famous. She was fortunate and also brought fortune wherever she went. She had fine speech. Her memory was excellent. Her intelligence was extraordinary. She was steadfast and patient. And because of possessing all of these qualities, Draupadi was very glorious. So today I want to share eight lessons that we can learn from the life of Draupadi. Um, I've, the Mahabharata, which is an epic story of great dimension, it means the history of greater India. And it tells lots and lots of stories or pastimes about historical personalities who did wonderful and great things or personalities who did things that were terrible. And... When we read these stories, it is very, very important that we understand, yes, they were true, even though some of the things may be very fantastic, but we have to realize many of these events took place in times when people were stronger, lived longer, knew more, had much more power, and so forth. But our, our focus today is on Queen Dropity. And I want to give you a little background for her story. This extraordinary lady that we can all learn something from. So in the Mahabharata, um, Draupadi was the wife of five husbands, which was, again, another extraordinary thing because, in general, women do not marry more than one man. And uh, we'll give the background for that. Draupadi was the daughter of a very great king named Drupada, and her father uh, had a fight with a Brahminical personality named Drona. It's a lot of details, and I hope I whet your appetite enough so that you'll go and read all the details. But Drona and, was a Brahmin, and he was the martial teacher for this great family of devotees called the Kauravas. And uh, in that family were five illustrious sons named Yudhisthira, Bhima, Arjuna, Nakula, and Sahadev. And the reason why these are very important personalities is because they were all very great devotees of God. Because they all were righteous men. And in Bhagavad Gita, for those of us who understand it, Krishna is imploring righteous men to take charge of the world. 
And so these were the ones at that time, 5,000 years ago, Krishna wanted the Pandavas, Yudhisthira, Bhima, Arjuna, Nakula, and Sahadev to take charge of the world because it was under the rulership of Duridodan and his father, Dhritarashtra, who was blind. So many different names, but again, for those of you who get interested, read the stories. Um, and Draupadi was so beautiful that men, it is described that men used to trip over their feet when they saw her. They would just fall down. She was just so beautiful and charming. And her beauty was not only external, it was internal because she was a great, great servant of Krishna and a great, great lover of the Lord. So Draupadi's birth was a little unusual but her father loved her and her mother loved her and they raised her. And then it became time when she was about 16 or 15 to get her married as was the duty of the father at that time. Our scriptures say that fathers can give up every duty, but they cannot give up the duty to make sure their daughters are nicely married, to make sure their daughters have protection from loving, caring husbands. So Jupiter decided to have a ceremony called a Swayamvara ceremony. And in this ceremony, uh, the men would have to do some extraordinary kind of feat to win the, the hand of their daughter. So in this case, they had uh, a fish displayed in the ceiling, and there was a covering, and there was a covering in the floor, and the, the one who won Dropadi's hand would have to shoot an arrow and hit the fish's eye without looking at the fish and look down at a reflection down. So that meant that they would have to be an extraordinary archer with extraordinary ability and skill. And at the time that he was uh, performing this ceremony, Jupiter had heard of the greatness of Arjuna. And in his heart, he desired that Arjuna would win the daughter's hand. Um, so Arjuna actually won the contest. There were many, many great uh, princes and kings there. They couldn't even lift the bow or string it. Or if they could lift the bow and string it, they couldn't shoot the target. Any kind of challenge. And a, a gas went up in all the assembly. Because you have to bear in mind all these great kings and princes from all over. They said, who is this person? He's not even a warrior. He's dressed like a Brahmin minister. So how could he, you know... Uh, perform this this particular challenge and so Jupiter kind of felt like this must be Arjuna because only Arjuna could do something like this so they got Draupadi very quickly and there was a little fight but of course uh, the Pandavas uh, were able to be victorious they took Draupadi back to their mother Kunti and be, their, their mother Kunti was in another room and they said to her they said Mata just look what we've brought a prize and she said well whatever you have you share it amongst yourselves and they were like oh my god how do you share a wife you know Mata do you know what we brought this is not just some alms or charity this is a lady and so when Mother Kunti looked out she said oh my god what did I say now we have to bear in mind that at that time the culture 
was so strong and the respect for motherhood was so powerful that once mother said something, it was a fact. It was the truth. Nobody went against it. We're not used to that in Kali Yuga, but that was the culture at the time. So because Mata said it, it had to be done. But now this produced a problem. You know, you divide a woman with five men and, they're, you know, so they were bewildered. And at first, uh, Yudhishthira, the, the oldest brother, said, well, you know what, Arjuna, you want her fair and square, you marry her. And Arjuna said, no, that's not the, that's not the culture. You're my oldest brother. You have to marry first. I can't do that before you. So you marry her. And I love the etiquette and the standards of respect and honor. Gosh, if we could have that today, we'd all be so much better off. But anyway, so finally, uh, Vyasadeva came, a great, another great sage. I know I'm throwing all these different names, but he uh, is the incarnation, the literary incarnation of God. And he said, you know what? Even though this situation is very extraordinary, it is meant to be. It is destiny. Because in her previous life, Draupadi had prayed to the Lord five times for five different husbands. One who personified religion, one who was a great warrior, one who could handle, you know, all these different qualifications. So by the grace of the Lord, her desire was fulfilled in her next life as Draupadi. And so um, they, he said, so you all should just marry her. All of you marry her and let Draupadi be your wife. Draupadi um, became the wonderful uh, mother of that household, that whole uh, kingdom called Indraprastha or Hastinapur. And at some point, the, the Kauravas invited the Pandavas to a gambling game. And they lost all of their wealth. They lost their kingdom. They lost each other. And they lost Draupadi in a gambling game. And this was very astonishing because Draupadi had, when she heard that her husband, Yudhisthira, had lost her in a gambling match, she said, how is that proper? How can he lose himself and himself be a slave and then lose me? So Draupadi was very intelligent. She knew how to ask these questions that would bring some deep thought. But because the demons were demons, they insisted that Draupadi was a slave and they went and dragged her. Now, here's a beautiful queen, a chaste lady. They dragged her in the assembly with all these men and they dared to disrobe her. Now, we have a lot of people in Kali Yuga, ladies who take their clothes off. But we need to understand that for women and ladies to cover themselves nicely was the great honor and great modesty that women did then and do also today. So for Drobody to be disrobed in the assembly of all these men was the ultimate humiliation, degradation, and she would have rather have been dead, killed. So Drobody stood. Here was her husband's on one side, Yudhister, Bhima Singh, Arjun, Nikula, Sahadev. Here was all the great warriors and princes, Grandfather Bhishma, Dronacharya, all these great personalities. And these demons were trying to take her sari off and no man answered for her. No man said, this is wrong. This is against religious principles. And so Drobody looked to her husbands and she looked to the, the elders in the community and there was silence. 
that a great chaste lady was being insulted like that and nobody was doing anything. So finally, Jobody, Jobody was tough. She was a warrior herself. She said, you're not going to take my sari off without me fighting you. And she pulled and she tugged. But here was a man, strong, powerful. Finally, Jobody said, oh, Krishna, where are you, my Krishna? She said, I have no protection. I have no hope. Krishna, Krishna. And she threw her hands up and she said, Lord, save me if you will. And if you won't, that's all right. And Krishna heard the desperate cry of Draupadi and he gave her more sari. So the more the demon tried to take her sari off, the more sari she was given. And finally there was piles and piles of sari until the man got tired of trying to take her sari off and he just fell down. And then everybody felt bad because they could know and things were straight. There's a lot more to the story of Draupadi, but just to give you that, that, that hint, I want to start going into the eight lessons so that we can have time for questions. So the first lesson that we want to learn from the life of Draupadi is that showing expertise in handling household and business affairs is the nature of devotee ladies who take shelter of God. A good wife, a good mother, brings fortune and auspiciousness to the family. And therefore, they should be honored. They should be protected. They should be respected. Draupadi was a goddess of fortune. Although it appears that much of what happened to her was misfortune, but to her family, she brought fortune and fame. The second lesson, in whatever position we find ourselves in, we should fight for righteousness. And we should require justice, especially in situations where those who should be protected are neglected by their so-called protectors. Even though Draupadi was in a female body, she was very brave and very bold. And even though she was humble and compassionate, she was a warrior. She spoke out when things were not fair, not just. And even though she had utmost respect for her husband and even forgave them when they could not protect her, still she was always begging and asking for justice and for uh, the righteous principles to exist. Number three, the secret of success in life is selfless service. Now, as devotees, as servants of God, we've heard that over and over again. And it's the most difficult thing to ever do. Like to just serve somebody and not want anything in return. But yet that's the history of Draupadi. She served her husbands. She served her, her, her mother-in-laws. She served everyone, the Brahmins. And she never, ever looked for anything in return because in her heart, Draupadi could understand that whatever I do, I'm doing it for Krishna. Whatever I do, I'm doing it for love because Krishna, God, is love personified. So the secret of success in life is to serve without expectation of results serve the right people serve the devotees serve the mission of the lord number four make your best best effort in whatever you do when i was a, a student in high school martin luther king dr martin luther king jr came to my high school and he gave a talk and he said i don't remember what he said but i remember this one line he said 
Whatever you do to be the best that you are. He said, if you sweep streets, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. I'll never forget that because we all know Michelangelo is his topmost artist with expertise. And he was telling sweet streepers to sweep street like that. And that's what Drobody showed. Drobody, whatever she did, she put her best effort into it. All of those, she always understood that the results were not up to her. Number five, we cannot depend on the fallible soldiers to protect us. This is another kind of touchy thing with us as human beings. We have our husbands, we have our wives, we have our money, we have our weapons. But ultimately, what can protect us? What can save us? None of that. Rake Krishna, Mareke, Mare Krishna, Rake. If Krishna wants to protect you, nobody can hurt you. If Krishna wants you to be hurt, who can protect you? So the sincere servants of the Lord know this and operate on that basis. Um, number six, being in a female body is no impediment for being a great personality, for making a bold and powerful contribution to the world. That speaks for itself. Number seven, to insult a chaste woman means to bring about disaster in the duration of life. So when these demons insulted Dropity, and it happened more than one time, that was the signal that that was the end of their, their dynasty, their family. Because chaste women, respectful women, they represent the internal nature of God. And they are always to be protected and always to be honored. And this is the, the onus that Prabhupada has put on us and our society. How do you protect women? How do you protect children? Things that are valuable, things that are precious, they need protection. Not abuse, not misuse, not exploitation. And number eight, the final one. The holy name of God is the ultimate shelter for every person. When Draupadi stood in the midst of all of these great warriors and her heroic husbands and nobody could save her. She called the name of God. Harinama, 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 Eva Kevalo, Kalo Nasteva, 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 Katur Anyata. In this age of Kali, there is no other way. There is no other way. There is no other way for anything successful other than to call the name of God with a sincere and dedicated heart. That's the gift that our beloved Prabhupada, the founder of this movement, gave us. He said, call God's name. Call his name when you don't feel like it. Call his name when you don't feel you're worthy. Call, call his name. And he, the name, is non-different from God. He will protect you. He will save you. He will connect you. Call that name. And Dropity, she called that name. I'm gonna hold his name. I'm gonna hold his name. I'm gonna hold his name in this world and the world to come. I'm gonna hold God's name. That's an old Christian song. <laughs> okay, <laughs> had to come out. All right. Let's start <laughs> So, thank you all. Is there any questions or comments or? I was just curious about your background. Yes. If you don't mind. Okay. About the Seventh Day Adventist. Oh. Did you pick that because it was vegetarian? That's a vegetarian tradition. My mother did. 
My mother, yeah, my mother was uh, Bumata Devi Dasi, and uh, we grew up First Baptist and Pentecostal and then Seventh-day Adventist for a long time. And she wanted, my mother was the kind of person that whatever she got into it, she got into it fully. So we were in it and we loved it. We had some really wonderful experiences. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this intriguing podcast that I put together. We ended it with Krishna Nandini Dasi. And honestly, that that story about Draupadi is probably one of my favorites. And I think it's a lot of uh, our favorites. <laughs> but um, for those that had no idea, I mean, you really have to think about when this all happened. So this is a 5,000 year old story. This is in the Mahabharat. So if you were to ever look it up and want to know the whole story, I mean, I mean, technically the Mahabharat is really long, but you can at least um, look up maybe Draupadi's story and sort of get more details. But I would say it's just, it's really intriguing and it's just it captured my eye because I feel in this day and age when Krishnandini was talking about Kali Yuga, that is what our age is called right now. Um, it's the time of quarrel, quarrelsome and, and, and hypocrisy. So that's why we have so much heat going on in our lives or what's going on around us, um, because that's what this age is about. So basically in this day and age, men can have so many different wives in different cultures. And it seems like when men do it, it's like, oh yeah, that's okay. It's all good. Yeah, they can be polyamorous or whatever it is and do all these things. But if a woman does it, it's like, how dare she? She's this and that and the third. And it's like, dude, what? You know, it's like, why, why is it always like that? Right. So when I read this story, I'm just like, wow, 5,000 years ago, man, God created a time where women, you know, they could have five husbands. I said, oh, Lord, I loved it. So I just kept reading about it. And the best part about this instance, like when she gets to the point of talking about when uh, she was, you know, lost or basically sold off of a gambling debt that you to steer made that mistake and um when all hope was lost you know god was there for her when she called out you know because back then it was such a very highly charged spiritual time um so you know he was able to be there for her because she was a very auspicious woman she was strong i mean you know this was in her it was a part of her destiny but her story was to basically help everybody and realize that even no matter what you know you're always you know you can always be protected and it's hard to think about that now because of what happens to women um in this day and age but it's nice to hear that 5,000 years ago that women you know that was the honor that men had and not even that but you know Krishna and God kept you know, women protected and sacred at that time, even if they had, even when she had five, you know, husbands. Um, So the story is just a very auspicious story and it's very different. And it is hard to compare with today, but I love the fact that her perseverance and her strength, and she was a strong woman. And even though she suffered, you know, she still kept it together. She kept it together. 
and she still managed her household and she still stayed married to all of them and forgave them even after Eudistir had gambling problems. So it just, the story is very rich and it goes on. But hopefully, yeah, hopefully, as she said, I hope you guys have a taste to want to read more about it because it's just really interesting. But but there are there's a lot of inspiring moments and um you know it could definitely be a movie i'm telling you maybe i'll be the first to do it because i think it'd be a great movie (laughs) but i don't know if people can stomach a woman having five husbands it has to usually be the other way around unfortunately in this day and age my god all right y'all so i'm gonna let you go thank you for tuning in and um yeah let's see what happens next week y'all toodles for now Thank you.